Storytellers, welcome to Truth, Lies, and Coffee with Kara Noel and Robin McClure. Hi, Robin. Hi, Kara. What kind of coffee are we drinking today? Today we're drinking gold. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, because I asked you if there was gold in it. (laughs) But you said no. I did say no. But it's still good. That would be so cool. That would be really cool. I would... I don't know. How, well, I don't know how I would feel about metal in my coffee. <laughs> I have a question. Okay. When you are writing, do you always have a drink with you? Um, I should have water a lot, but I feel like it's ingrained in me that I need tea or coffee. Yes. Same way. Tea, coffee, chai. Mm, yes. I was thinking about that the other day, one of our places that we like to get chai. I was like, should I pick some of that up before I go right? And I'm like, why? I don't need that. I have coffee at home or I have water. But no, chai tea sounds amazing. It is amazing. I have those big bags of the big train vanilla chai. Yes. Oh, I love those. Yeah, I was just asking because Mm -hmm. this morning or late last night, I can't really remember. It all blends together. I was trying to remember why we went with Truth, Lies, and Coffee as the name of our podcast. Yes. And I remember coffee being in it because as writers, we like our coffee. (laughs) True. You see a lot of that online, like where people will like exclusively, well, I guess not exclusively. Some people will prefer tea, but. A lot of people like coffee or tea. Absolutely. I think it gives our hands something to do while we're staring off into space looking like idiots. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Anyway, today we are discussing conflict. Yes. There are a couple of types of conflict. I actually have a third one I want to mention to you also and see what you think if we could discuss discuss that one. The two that people are most familiar with are external and internal conflicts. So in case you don't remember, the a conflict is the struggle your character needs to overcome during the course of the story. They can be internal, they can be external, and this is ultimately what keeps your reader engaged. So I'm curious, what is this third type you mentioned? It was the uh, psychological struggle, I believe is what it was called. And one of those that you have to be careful because it's like the character's beliefs and how they are. There's conflict against those beliefs or struggles Ooh, against that. Yeah. That is super intriguing because of the story I'm working on right now. That, that does work for your story. Yeah. I could see where you'd be intrigued. How is that different than internal conflict? That's a very good question. I think we'll circle around back to that. Yes. (laughs) So there are six main types of conflict. There's character versus character. Mm -hmm. And that is obviously a character versus an external, another character, like an antagonist. Yeah. And this is probably the most common type. It's the one that we see the most often. Um, A good example is the Harry Potter series, Harry versus Voldemort. Yeah. 
And it drives through all seven books. Mm. The main idea in this type of conflict is that one character's needs or wants are at odds with another character's. Right. And then you have the character versus self. And we also, if I can mention the character versus society, I think we were discussing before how that's kind of tied up together. Yeah. Oftentimes, character versus society and character versus self go together really neatly. Mm -hmm. Um, Like in the book Fahrenheit 451. If you've read it, um, the main character, Montag, is struggling with what's going on in his society. The burning of the books and the banning of ideas, essentially. So he is going against societal norms while also struggling with where his place is. Yeah. And his personal beliefs. Oh, that's a good, that's a good example. Yeah. Cause that is so prominent in that story is the society as a whole. And then where you stand on your beliefs about how the society is. A lot of times the character versus self. Conflict is a mental health struggle. Mm. I think, Carrie, you read The Bell Jar? I want to read it. That was... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're totally fine. I think that was a goal. Um, I've been in a reading slump, so I've heard that that is like a semi-autobiographical fiction, but it's her struggle with mental health. And I think that would be really interesting. I mean, obviously, doing it well and not flippantly, but... I think that's really interesting to definitely falls in that category. Absolutely. And then also, I think you have characters deciding between what is moral and what is right. And those aren't always the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there, therein probably lies that the societal, psych- yeah, and the and the psychological struggle as well. Oh, that's a good point. Like with the moral compass, yeah, because everybody, all the characters would have their own belief systems that would be challenged. And I think we see a lot of that going on now. So it's very common in stories. Yeah, because well, stories are how you navigate the world, actually. Absolutely. They're a reflection of our culture and our society. So it makes perfect sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then there's character versus nature. I know that you were telling me about the book Hatchet. Yes. A lot of people read Hatchet in like seventh or eighth grade. I'm a homeschool mom, so I read it with my kids earlier. Actually, last year. (laughs) (laughs) And it is about a young man who is in a airplane that crashes and lands in a lake the pilot has a heart attack and he's able to direct it to a lake and then he is left alone for several months and he has to learn how to survive in this wilderness so he's facing all kinds of challenges like being cold learning how to start a fire other animals eating the food he's gathered tornadoes Holy cow. Yeah, the last ones. <laughs> the last one is actually what ends up saving his life. So that's a good. <laughs> oh, that's very interesting. That is really cool. So it's a wonderful story. 
And if you are into that kind of thing, I highly recommend it. I enjoyed it just as much reading it to the kids as I did back in seventh or eighth grade or whenever we read it. (laughs) (laughs) The next one is Character versus Supernatural. And I always um, think of ghost stories with this one. Robin would not agree with me that ghost stories are really fun (laughs) to read. (laughs) I do not. (laughs) Not real ghost stories, at least. I greatly enjoyed The 13th Tale. Oh, that is true. That is true. That's a very good book. Anyway. (laughs) I think um, The Lord of the Rings is a character versus supernatural story. Mm. You have your normal everyday characters facing Sauron, who is extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely definitely an example because he would be a magical, otherworldly being that they have to face. We talked about The Silent Companion, which I did not read. Did you read that? Yes, I did read that one. (laughs) Speaking of ghost stories, well, it's kind of that creepy, gothic, scary vibe, which I love. But that one is definitely the character is facing something that she doesn't understand and that defies logic. People can't. It's hard to get people to believe her as well. I think that's, I see that a lot in the stories that I read that are character versus supernatural. In retrospect, while you were talking about that, I thought of Stephen King's novels. Mm -hmm. I've only read three of them because every time I read them, I think I can never do this again. (laughs) And so by this last time, I've remembered that. (laughs) They just scare me too much. Mm. Well, it's funny. I've only ever read one Stephen King book, and that was on writing. And oh, I've read four. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think his level of creepy is just, it's a different, it's a different level of creepy for me. I like the more psychological creepy. However, I do think his books are character versus supernatural. Mm. For instance, Spoiler alert, if you haven't read Under the Dome, oh, yeah. plug your ears for 10 or 20 seconds, <laughs> because in that book, it's aliens who have created the dome and set it around this town. Oh. So they're fighting against one another. It's very character versus character. Mm. There are a lot of internal struggles going on, but there's also a supernatural element to it. Interesting. Um, also, I think I read Lisey's story. Oh, I've heard of that. Like, this, didn't they make an adaptation of that, I think, too? I have no idea. I read it, like, almost two decades ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> But that one is also, I would say that it's character versus supernatural. Mm-hmm. The main character essentially goes into another world to escape pain and heal. Hmm. where he faces monsters and such. Interesting. And then Carrie, which I have not read or watched the movie, also has supernatural elements. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I think that she's a telekinetic, isn't she? I believe so, yeah. I saw the movie forever ago. Um, But yeah, she can control. Yeah. 
control people or things. I mean, I don't know about people, but but things with her mind. Yeah. So I think that's also supernatural, at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know that her story is probably also very character versus self. And mm-hmm. character versus society is right. we already <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> but again, I think there's a supernatural element. Definitely. Definitely. I think he always has something supernatural in it, even in, like, The Green Mile. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot he wrote that. I've only seen the movie. (laughs) Me too. I've not read the book. The sixth one um, that we have is Character versus Fate. Interesting. That's not what I have. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I wrote the wrong thing down. Anyway, share Character versus Fate, and then I'll share Character versus Technology. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Sounds good. Um, uh, so we have character versus fate. And that is uh, like the Matrix. Interesting. So like a chosen one type of idea? I I think so. Would that mean that Harry Potter is also kind of a char- character versus fate story? That's a good question. I guess it would be since he is the chosen one. And like you were saying, I mean, that's basically what it's... I would I would take that as. So in a character versus fate conflict, is there a way to escape fate? Or does it always win in the end? I guess I, I should I say spoiler spoiler alert with Harry Potter, because most people have probably read it, but um Or seen the movie. Or seen the movie. And I don't know if it uh, does it address it in the movie like where could have been one of two characters who is the chosen one? So I guess that kind of goes along with your question since it could have been. That's right. Voldemort yeah. marked Harry. Mm-hmm. He could have chosen Neville. I exactly. forgot about that. Yeah, because they both fell into that with both their parents having been part of the Order of the Phoenix and born in July. Born in July. The end of July specifically, I think. I think so. Yeah. So I just always thought that was cool. So that kind of goes along with your question. Like it kind of subverts expectations about the usual chosen one where that chosen one is the chosen one. And it doesn't usually deviate from that. That's true. Also, I was so I was thinking at the end, the very end of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows. When Dumbledore and Voldemort and Harry are at what Harry imagines to be King Cross Station. Mm. And he has the choice to die or to go back. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if he hadn't have, if he wouldn't have gone back, if Neville would have finished off. Voldemort, because he finished off um, Nagini. So I think that you remembered her name. (laughs) (laughs) It took me a second. I was like, wait a minute. I wonder if he could have, if it all would have worked out still. I would love to hear what you guys think about that. Yeah, that would be really cool to hear. The last type of conflict that we have is man versus technology. So this is things like Iron Man, mm. Frankenstein, The Giver, and The Terminator. And I just now thought of a different one, too. I don't know if you saw the movie Ex Machina. I did not. <laughs> Mike might have. It was 
disturbing, but good. There's AI that have been created and programmed in a way to mimic human behavior, if I'm remembering it correctly, and to be able to successfully negotiate their way with people and so that they're more like people. They're more like humans. I think that would fall into that realm. And it's creepy. (laughs) That's very interesting. And I think you're right. That probably would fit. Mm -hmm. The Giver is also a book I read in junior high or high school the first time. And I did reread it, but it's still been a while. (laughs) And I'm not very far right now. We're talking like page three. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just literally started. Actually, as I'm rereading it, I'm not sure that this is the best fit for this Mm. particular conflict. I think it might fit better into character versus society or character versus self. Because I don't remember technology playing a big role in it. Mm. What I think plays a bigger role is Jonah gathering the memories Mm. and starting to question the way things in his society work. And then making the decision to escape. Nice. So I think Frankenstein might be the better one to talk about. And you've (laughs) read that as well, correct? I have. And I'm not going to lie, I hated it at first. Um, I think being away from it and appreciating, I think because I did feel so much for the monster and despised Frankenstein. I I thought, am I wrong in this? But I think other people agree. Like, that's why she wrote it like that, right? It was kind of pulls in the internal struggle or the psychological struggle of morality. And because he clearly created this monster that ended up having more human emotions and feelings and and the way he just discarded it like it's I feel like it has a a plethora of struggles in that one actually but definitely the technology because of being able to create this and should you create life as I'm away from it I can appreciate it more and it makes me glad I didn't give away the book because I was like, well, it's a classic. I need to keep it on my shelf because I read it too. And, but I'm like, nah, I just didn't like it. But I think it's just because it made me really, really sad. <laughs> but I think that's the point. I agree with you. I also didn't like it the first time I read it. And I think you touched on something really important in there. Mm-hmm. We've kind of talked about it a little bit as we were talking about character versus society and character versus self. But a lot of times in the best books, you'll see that there are layered conflicts. Mm. It's not one main conflict. They're kind of intertwined with others. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I think when we were creating our list, we kept coming across that. We're like, well, but is it this character versus this or character versus this? And it's like, yeah, there's so many different layers of it, which, like you said, it does make a good book and a good story. Um, to have that many layers because you have so many different conflicts in life. Absolutely. It makes your characters more realistic. It makes the struggles more realistic. Mm -hmm. And also, since conflict is going to be the bulk of your story, it's what's going to drive the story forward. Having multiple conflicts, you don't get bored. Right. Thank you for finishing that. I was trying to pick out the right words. (laughs) I'm sorry. I was like, should I just insert my... Absolutely. (laughs) So speaking of that, Kara, 
I have heard the advice that you should include conflict in every scene. Do you agree? I do. I think you would have to because the conflict, like you said, is driving the story. And to keep, I mean, because it's always going to be in the background, even if it's not blatant in that scene, like it has to be the driving force behind it to get you to the next chapter. I mean, I guess not in every book that you're going to have this because clearly I'm thinking of, you've read it more recently, but I love, and I know you love as well, The Bear and the Nightingale. I don't remember it being so much about conflict as it was more of the world. And there was some conflict, obviously, but it was, I don't feel like that was driving every chapter. So what's your conclusion? (laughs) (laughs) It just depends on the story or the type of story you're trying to tell. I'm not sure that it all goes back to the main conflict in the story. Mm. And... I've read other books like Grave Mercy more recently. Mm -hmm. That was fantastic, by the way. (laughs) I have it written down. I'll do my best not to give anything away because I know at the very least Kara has not read it. (laughs) I appreciate that. It's here in my notes, actually, (laughs) to remember. But um, I would say that's a character versus character story. It's also character versus self. And character versus society. (laughs) And this character is unique in her position. She is a trained assassin, and she has to decide who she trusts, who she doesn't trust, and who is making problems in her society so that she can decide if she needs to kill them or not. (laughs) Interesting. So I wouldn't say that every scene necessarily has a big conflict, but it does have points where she's trying to decide what she needs to do next and who she trusts or what should happen, if anything. Interesting. So it's always like white noise in the background. Kind of. I guess I think that every scene needs to move the plot forward, but Mm. I don't necessarily think there needs to be a conflict in every scene. Mm. And I think when writers hear that advice, we start to think, oh, no, we need to have this character get into a fight. Oh, Or something needs to happen to this character Mm -hmm. to create that conflict. And I don't necessarily think that that is what we need. I agree. I I think, yeah, people can take it on surface level like that. Like, oh, well, I have to have this nonsensical situation happen because conflict that's not necessarily doing anything for the story or for the character or where you could be the conflict could be an aspect of another conflict like you said with the layers this scene could be addressing this conflict like character versus self or this next scene addresses this other conflict but it's not necessarily physically or external it could just be like an internal struggle or if it's like a mystery like piecing stuff together like finding another puzzle piece to the mystery like just something like the struggle that they are feeling in this pursuit 
Absolutely. I think there needs to be action taken that moves the plot forward. But I don't necessarily think that there's a specific conflict in every scene. Like, I'm just because it's the only scene I can think of off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of that scene in Harry Potter, the Sorcerer's Stone, where Harry and Hermione have dragged Norbert the dragon up to the top of the astronomy tower, I think. Or maybe it's the other tower. I thought it was the astronomy, but I don't remember for sure. It's so been a that bit. Charlie Weasley's friends can pick him up and take him. <laughs> and I don't remember there being a specific conflict in that scene mm. until they hear Filch and the invisibility cloak is upstairs mm. at the yeah. top of the tower. Would you think that this is just a question? Like, do you think like the struggle? to get this accomplished would be the conflict because it's it's getting in their way of their goal that the struggle that they have with the dragon i mean i know it's a really minute struggle but or conflict i don't know i would have to reread the scene to decide <laughs> you have to reread harry potter gracious that'd be terrible <laughs> Anyway, I would love to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah. It would be interesting to hear your thoughts if you agree with us or disagree or what points you like or don't like. You can find us on Instagram. You can find our contact information in the podcast description. We'd love to hear from you on our email. Yes. And you can email us at truthliesandcoffee at gmail.com. Yes. We'll catch you in the next podcast. Yes.